eight to ten churches represented there. Uh, there were hundreds of churches represented there, but there were about eight or ten churches represented there that support us financially and through prayer. So, I mean, when they saw me, they're all just wanting updates and asking about how things are going. Everybody was high-fiving me about the, the six baptisms that we had last week. I mean, it was awesome and amazing, right? And God is doing wonderful things here at Epiphany Church. So what that means for us is this, and y'all stick with me. I'm going to talk just a little bit of family business real quick. What that means is, is that we've been, we've been loved and cared for and supported by a whole slew of people from California all the way up to Maine, right? Uh, so we want to, as we mature and grow as a church, we want to be able to stand on our own two feet. And what that means is, is that we've got to continue, hear me, continue in the generosity that we have already been presenting. Can I tell you that you guys are an extremely outrageously generous church? You give yourselves a hand for that. I mean, you guys are outrageously generous. And we are, listen, we are exceeding our own financial benchmarks that I mean, I, I want you to understand that a church that's that's our age, a church that's our size, to be exceeding its financial expectations, it's outrageous. People don't understand how that's happening, but it's the Lord. So I'm not up here asking you for money because we're in debt. I'm not up here asking you for money because we need a whole bunch of stuff. I'm saying let's prepare our hearts in a spirit of gratitude and generosity to bring a gift before the Lord. Because we don't want to be outdone in our generosity by other people who care about and love this church and believe in the mission and vision of this church. We don't want to be outdone by them. We want to stand on our own two feet and bring forward a gift before the Lord that is going to blow our minds. So here's what I'm saying. Prepare yourselves on December 16th. I'm going to ask everybody. This is no. Listen, listen to me good. This is over and above <laughs> your regular giving, okay? Don't say, oh, I'm going to take away from my regular giving to give this gift. Don't do that. Uh, we're going to ask you to give a gift over and above. And here's why it's difficult, because uh, it's Christmas time, right? They're trying to buy gifts for your kids and, and your family and all that stuff like that. Uh, but God's called us to not equal giving. Like, we're not going to match the giving that those churches around the country and those individuals around the country are giving. But we're asking for equal sacrifice. Amen? Everybody with me? Okay, so prepare your hearts, whatever you determine in your heart to give, and we're going to bring a gift on December 16th. We're going to celebrate. We're going to be excited about what God's doing, and we're going to bring that gift before the Lord, and we're just going to give that with the expectancy that God won't be outdone. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's jump in. Let's jump into this. Um, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Y'all pray for me. I was out there in Rochester, New York, and I was sleeping on the cold because um, I didn't realize how cold it was out there. Um, even though I had asked my wife before because she had been to Rochester a bunch of times, I said, babe, what's the weather like out there? And she said, well, it's lake effect weather, so it's going to be a little chilly, right? And so I was like, I'm a thug. Like, <laughs> I'm a G. I'm going to go out there with just my hoodie, and I'm going to be all right. Psych. <laughs> So <clears throat> I'm struggling a little bit this morning um, with my voice, but y'all pray for me, okay? Y'all going to pray for me while I'm preaching? Uh, okay, all right, listen, I'll sit down if y'all not going to pray for me. <laughs> listen, turn to Luke chapter 17. I'll be reading in verse 11 through verse 19. 
hear these words of our father. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village, excuse me, as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. Somebody say at a distance. And raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. While they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, somebody say one of them. Seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus says, confused, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Ungrateful jokers? Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Father, thank you for your word, God. Lord, we pray that you would be in our midst today, God. Communicate to our hearts, Father. Lord, we pray that this word would, would, would get deep down into the marrow of our souls, Father. And when we hear this word, we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. God, and it's in that spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and that you would speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I place all of my trust in Jesus mighty name. I pray and the whole church said. Amen. See, thankfulness seems to be in a lost art today. Warren Wearsby, my one of my favorite theologians, he illustrated this problem in his commentary on Colossians when he, he told about a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois, which was by Lake Michigan. I was just there by Lake Michigan uh, on a layover in Detroit. It was cold. And it says that a ship went aground onto the shore. And there was a ministerial student, a seminary student there by the name of Edward Spencer. And he had worked part time as a, a, one of the rescue people who would go and rescue people who were stranded on um, Lake Michigan. And one day he waded into the water to rescue some folks who had been stranded. And he rescued 17 passengers. In the process, because of the frigid waters, his health was permanently damaged. And some years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people that he had rescued had ever thanked him. That's what we see in this passage today. 
Jesus had rescued these leprous men. He'd rescued these outcasts from society. He rescued those men who had been set, cast aside and thrown away because of the condition that they were suffering with. And he healed them and only one of them returned to thank him. The passage says that while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him there and they stood at a distance. And they raised their voice saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. See, situations might arise in your life that cause you to feel like you're a great distance away from Jesus. Uh, I need some help this morning. See, it, it, there, there'd be situations in your life that might come up that will make you feel like you are far off from God. See, stuff's going to come up in your life. There are going to be situations and circumstances that arise, and you're going to feel like you are far off from God, and you can't see God, and you can't see what he's doing in your life. It might be the loss of financial stability. Maybe they're cutting hours at your job. Maybe they're cutting hours at your job and, 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 and you, you're up there wondering because you, I, I turned that project in three hours late, but I hope that's not too bad. It may be the loss of financial security. Maybe they raised your rent this month and you don't know how you're going to pay it. It might be the loss of a close relationship. Maybe some of your A1 day ones, they stranded you. Maybe some of the first that you thought were ride or die or who were going to be there with you until the end of time, they turned their back on you and now they're talking bad about you behind your back. It might be the sudden deterioration of your health. Maybe you've received a diagnosis and you just can't understand where God is. Maybe all of a sudden you've got some pain in your body and you can't describe it too well and you can't understand it too well. And it seems like God is far away from you. But see here in this passage that these leprous men, these men who were cast aside and were standing at a distance from Jesus, they knew what to say and they knew what to do. The passage says that they cried out to him and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, hear me today. No matter what the situation or the circumstance, if Jesus is in the vicinity, provision is nearby. No matter what the circumstance is, if Jesus is close by and he's in the vicinity and you can cry out to him, guess what? Salvation is nearby to you. And here's the thing I want to encourage you with today is that Jesus is always by your side. See, Jesus is never too far off that you can't reach him. He's never too far off that he can't hear your cry. He's always there nearby you when you call. I love here that they call out Jesus, but then they knew who they were talking to when they said, Master. See, you got to know who you're talking to. And that's my, that's my first point for you today is this, is that a thankful heart recognizes its provider. A thankful heart recognizes its provider. So I want you to see here, there's crying out to him, Jesus, Master. In other words, they knew that Jesus was the commander of things. His reputation had spread all throughout uh, uh, Israel and all throughout Jerusalem and all those types of things. So they knew who Jesus was and they knew who they were crying out to. So they say, Master. 
When's the last time you cried out master in your situation? When was the last time you cried out to the master when things were going topsy-turvy in your world? When was the last time you called out master or are you too busy trying to make yourself the master of your situation and your circumstances? And he says, have mercy on us. Somebody's trying to share the password with me. I don't know. (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) It was Jesus trying to share the password. (laughs) Master. There you go. (laughs) He said, they say, have mercy on us, Jesus. Master. In other words, they're saying, have pity on us. I want you to understand that these leprous men, they were cast out because of their condition. And because of their condition, they had to stand with their skin condition and oftentimes their body decaying. And when people would come near to them, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. So that people wouldn't come near them. So these leprous men are crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us. Show some pity on us. Have compassion on us. And see, thankfulness, the good thing is that thankfulness activates the compassion of our provider. See, I want to tell you the story. When when my girls were coming up, she's not in here right now. Okay, I'll get her afterwards. When my girls were coming up, I'm a little soft when it comes to my daughters. Wife, (laughs) I'm going to say that so hard. I'm a little soft when it comes to my daughters. But I know that, right? So I'd be trying to be tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be trying to act tough. So one time, they're playing around in the house and they got the toys, and I'm telling them, go to bed. Like, they, they, they're just doing what they want to do, right? And so they're going up the steps, finally, to go to bed. And my daughter drops her toy. At the time, we were living in Jersey still, and she dropped her toy down behind the TV because the TV was along the staircase as you went up. She dropped her, her, her toy behind the TV. And then she starts saying, Daddy, can you get my toy for me, please? And I said, no, you ain't been listening this whole time. You need to go upstairs and go to bed right now. That's me being, trying to be tough. And so my daughter, she had to be like two or three at the time. And she goes, but daddy, you're the best, you're the best daddy in the whole wide world. <laughs> so you know what happened. <laughs> I got up (laughs) and I went and got that toy and that wasn't it though. It wasn't over at that point because as I got up and started walking to get the toy, they start chanting, daddy, 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 daddy. I got suckered like sucker free. Like it was bad. (laughs) But listen to this. It was their recognition an appreciation of me as their father that activated my provision for them. And I'm here to tell you today that when you respond with thankfulness and appreciation before God the Father, you activate his provision in your life. 
Don't be standing around complaining and grumbling all the time about how things aren't the way you'd like them to be. You better start thanking Jesus for what you have in your life and he'll start to activate some provision in your life. That leads me to my next idea is this, is that thankfulness moves God to action. Join me in verse 14. It says that when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. See, this here, it says that when he saw them, sometimes you're crying out to God and you're wondering if he hears you or not. But the text teaches us this. Watch. The text teaches us not to worry about whether God sees us or not because whether God hears us or not because he sees us. I'm not saying he don't hear you, but I'm saying don't worry about whether he's hearing the current cry of your heart at that moment because Jesus sees you in the midst of your suffering. You remember Avatar, the movie, the blue people, remember the blue people? And the rescue scene at the end, right? Natiri, the blue girl, right? She's going to, she's, they fighting, right? They fighting with the dude who got the scar across his face. Y'all remember that? And he's in the machine and they're just fighting, right? And she's like whooping his butt. She's like did a drop kick and boom, swipped him, his legs from under him and he fell down and boom. And she threw the thing down and boom, stabbed him in his face like that, right? Y'all remember that? That's the movie. I'm not done. <laughs> you act like I'm saying something different. That's the movie. So, I ain't messing with y'all. Listen, so... Natiri, after she beats dude up, she realizes that her boo, Jake, right, the blue dude that was animated, blue guy, right, she says, my Jake, my Jake, my Jake. (laughs) So he's laying there lifeless, right? His lifeless clone is laying there, right? But then she realizes, because she knows about him, she realizes that he's somewhere nearby. And so she jumps inside of the trailer where he is. Now, she doesn't know that while she's searching for him, he's struggling and holding on for dear life. And he's reaching for the mask, right? He's trying to grab the mask because the air, humans can't breathe that air. So he's trying to grab the mask so that he can breathe. But he, he's a, he, he's a, what is it called? A paraplegic. So he, he can't really, he can't, he can, not he can't really walk, he can't walk at all. He can't walk. So he's reaching and stretching for the, for the mask and he falls out of the little bed thing and he falls down onto the ground and he can't reach the stuff. And as he's reaching, Natiri, jumps into the trailer and she sees her boo and she goes my jake my jake and she grabs him up she picks him up and she sees the mask and she grabs the mask and she places it onto his face and then he grabs it and he starts to be able to breathe again and then jake responds to her and he says he grabs her blue face and he says i see you she starts crying. She says, I see you too, my Jake, my Jake. She says, I see you. I don't know why I like that part. <laughs> my Jake, my Jake. <laughs> so she grabs his face and she says, I see you. I don't care what you're going through today. God sees you. You might be on the brink of death this morning, but God sees you. You might be suffocating by the weight of your circumstances this morning, but God sees you. 
I need somebody to help me preach this thing today because I'm going to talk to some folks in the room who were wandering around in darkness this morning and God saw them. I don't want to talk to people who, who've got everything together their whole life. I don't want to talk to y'all today. I want to talk to some folks who knew that they were in a mess. And if it hadn't been for Jesus seeing them in their darkness, if it hadn't been for Jesus seeing them in their place, uh, in their sunken place, and grabbing them up from that place, they would still be wallowing around in darkness today. See, I'm at a point in my life in my ministry where I don't really have time to play with God. I don't have time to play with God, and I, and I just don't get, I, I don't get how people can go throughout life without being thankful towards God. I just don't understand how you could sit there on God and not praise Him and thank Him for what He's doing in your life. I just don't understand this. So, uh, see, the old church they used to say they used to cry out. They used to listen to what they used to say. They used to say stuff like this. I don't know about you. But I'm going to praise him. See, I, 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 I got to move. Listen, I, I got to keep moving. It says here that as we're going, he tells them that as they were going, they were cleansed. See, thankfulness is about movement. See, when we move in obedience to God, we activate a doorway of thankfulness, right? So I want you to see this cyclical nature of this biblical truth. Watch this. If you aren't thankful, it's because most of the times you aren't walking in obedience. Uh-oh. And if you aren't walking in obedience, most of the times it's because you aren't thankful. See that cycle that's going on? And when you're not walking in thankfulness, it's probably because you're not being obedient. And you're not being obedient, it's probably because you're not thankful. It's difficult not to thank God when you are seeing the fruit of your obedience to him. See, it's just difficult. But, but here's what I want you to see. Those men, that man particularly, they saw no fruit of their obedience before they moved. See, we dig our heels in and won't move until God changes our situation. See, we say, God, I need I need up out of here. And I need you to move, Jesus. I need you to work in my circumstances. Jesus, I need you to work in my finances because I, I just can't deal with this no more. And God is telling you to do something. He's telling you to move in obedience towards something. And not worry about the finances because he is your provider. But we dig our heels in, right? And we won't move until God changes our situation. But, but Jesus' command to these leprous men, watch this. He tells them, go show yourself to the priest. Now this command, this is good. The command he gave them was a command that he should have given to an already cured leopard. Leper, not leopard. <laughs> an already cured leper. They are not leopards. <laughs> See, the command was what cured lepers were supposed to do, according to Leviticus chapter 14, right? Which required examination by the priests. 
So, if, and if they were cured, they would be, have a joyful celebration, an eight-day celebration, celebrating their cleansing, and then they would have been reunited with their families, right? Y'all tracking with me? So a thankful heart will trust God at his word, even when it hasn't come to pass in their life yet. See, we read the Bible and we just breeze past words as we're reading. That's okay. We all do it. But Jesus's command here required some faith. And, and, and we can surmise that not all the lepers were of the same faith because only one of them came back. But we can surmise that, and, and listen, not all, no ten people will be, right? But we can surmise that they weren't on the same mind, they weren't of the same mind. So we, we can be convinced that they, we don't know they were convinced that the priest was going to heal, was going to uh, give them a cleansed uh, classification. So as they're going towards the priest, here's the, most of them probably hesitated, like, wait a minute, we can't go to the priest yet, we're not cleansed. And after all, <laughs> Jesus didn't send them on a short distance. He didn't say, yo, go around the corner to the poppy store and get healed, right? Get cured, right? He ain't telling that. He ain't say, listen, go to the bodega, get, you know, get something for yourself. Like, no, he sent them from, listen where they were. They were in between Samaria and Galilee, and they told them to go to the priest who was in Jerusalem, right? That's like 42 miles. And they was walking. And a lot of them didn't have no toes because their toes were falling off. A lot of the kneecaps had, never mind, a lot of the kneecaps had probably oozed down their leg and all that stuff like that. I'm not trying to gross you out, but I want you to understand what was going on with these lepers. So Jesus tells them, he says, listen, go walk 42 miles to the priest and to the temple and then show yourself to the priest. Can you imagine them walking away like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. Wait. They're looking at their fingers. Their fingers is missing. All that stuff going on. They realize that they're not cleansed yet. And if Jesus could heal them, right, why didn't he just do it? Like he did for the leper in Luke chapter 5. Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said, uh, I, I will. And he tells him, be cleansed. And it said that immediately the leprosy left him. Why didn't Jesus do it like that? Oftentimes we get caught up wondering why Jesus isn't doing something in our lives, how he did it for other people. See, that's where we get trapped. That's where we get caught up. We're looking for God to do things in our life the way that he did it in other people's lives. And God says, guess what he says? He said, I ain't got to do what you want me to do. I'll do it how I want to do it. So he tells them. I mean, and what fools would they would have looked like if they would have showed up to the priest and they still had leprosy? So imagine the faith that was required there. But on the other hand, they had everything to gain and nothing to lose. They were already cast aside. They were already castaways. Where are the believers at in here that don't have anything to lose by obeying Jesus? Where are the believers in here who say, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm just crazy enough to trust what Jesus has told me to do. And I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole life, my whole heart, my whole strength, my whole mind. And I might look crazy for doing it. And my situation looks crazy, but I'm just going to follow Jesus. 
And see, the, the consensus among these lepers was at least, okay, we'll give it a try. So they set off stumbling at a leper's pace. And the scripture says, as they went, as they were going, they were healed and they were cleansed. It was a mass healing. I mean, what's the dude's name? The white haired dude who be trying to heal people? Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn, he had nothing. Jesus did a mass healing and he didn't even go near him. He didn't wave his <laughs> he didn't wave nothing at nobody. <laughs> he just told him, Go. And listen, this is good. Hear this. There were no mirrors as they were walking. My goodness. There were no mirrors as they were walking along the way. So they're just walking, obeying Jesus, and they don't really know what's going on, but they're walking and obeying Jesus and doing as he commands, and they can't even see their circumstance changing. See, we, we, we look, as they're walking, their cadaverous faces, they begin to reemerge ears and noses and eyebrows and eyelashes and hairlines. I know some of y'all wish that your hairline would reemerge. <laughs> Listen, their feet, their toes begin to reemerge. Their, their, their stubs, all that stuff begin to reemerge. And, and listen. Their skin began to burst forth, right? This is what was happening to these lepers who were cleansed. It was like 10 new births happening along the way. And the dust of wild celebration quickly began to shine bright amongst them. Can you see them high-fiving each other? Whew, oh, I got my finger back. Yes, you're healed. You get a healing. Yes. <laughs> All that. Everybody heal. Bam. Right. All that stuff. <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. Um, listen to this. A thankful heart will trust God at his word, even when it hasn't come to pass. And that's why in doing so, my next idea is this. Is that a thankful heart brings us closer to God. I want you to see this. See, one of the previous lepers, in verse 15, he became aware that he was no longer a leper. See, he didn't get so caught up in the blessing that he forgot the blesser. And how many times do we do that? God, help me get this job. God, help me get this new thing. God, help me with this, with this proposal. God, help me with this. Help me with that. And then God helps us, and then we forget all about God. See, but this one, he was aware that he was no longer a leper. And see, it says here, verse 15, but one of them seeing that he was healed. See, and that's what seeing means here in this passage. It means that your perception has changed. 
See, the leper who was previously an outcast of society and considered contagious and unclean now sees himself through the eyes of Jesus who saw him at first when he first sent him away. See, when Jesus first sent him away, guess what he already saw? Jesus had already saw him cleansed of leprosy. And so when we begin to see with the eyes of Jesus, we'll be able to see that that broken marriage, God's going to fix it. That broken circumstance, God's going to repair it. That job that's causing me all kinds of stress, God's going to fix it. When we begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. Is that Jesus never sends us away from him unchanged. See... And that's why we should never be thankless, because even though we can't see what Jesus is doing in every single moment, we don't leave from the presence of Jesus unchanged. And in this instance, the passage teaches us that Jesus always makes us whole after an encounter with him. So your marriage may be deteriorating, but... God is making it whole through your obedience to him. God's saying, keep loving your spouse. Keep serving them. Keep going above and beyond to reach them. But God, you don't understand what they're doing to me. Just be obedient. God, you don't understand how they talk to me. Just be obedient. God, you don't understand what they did. Just be obedient, and God will make that deteriorating marriage whole again. Your career might look dead, but God is making it whole through your obedience. That situation with your child might smell like decay, (laughs) but God is making them whole through your obedience. He's saying keep praying over even though you don't see change happening in them yet. Keep loving them even though you can't perceive what God is doing. Keep sharing the gospel with them even though you can't see transformation happening in their hearts yet. Keep doing the things that God is commanding you to do even though you don't see what God is doing. I got to move. Then it says that he, watch this, it says that he, after seeing that he was healed, he returned Here's a critical lesson for us in this passage. It says that when he perceived that he was healed, he returned to Jesus. See, there's something about returning to the place of your transformation that has tremendous power in bringing us closer to God. See, when we can think back and return to the monuments in our life of God's deliverance, it draws us closer to him. When we can just think back on how God had delivered us through the circumstances of our life and we focus on that, then we can move closer to God. When we think back to the cancer diagnosis that he healed us from, it draws us closer to God. When we think back on the divorce that he built us back up from, it draws us closer to God. When we think back to the miscarriage that he soothed our hearts from, it draws us closer to God. When we think back on the darkness of sin that he rescued us from, guess what it does? It brings us closer to God. 
make sure that you're returning back to the things that God has done for you already in your life. Don't be, as my pastor would say, don't be a spiritual brat. Don't be whining and complaining about what God hasn't done yet. Place your focus on what God has already done in your life. See, here's what I'm going to get y'all. It says that he returned and with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. See, I got to excuse me, but I, I just can't understand how we sit quiet on God. I just, I just don't understand. Maybe that's my Pentecostal upbringing or whatever, but I just don't understand how we sit quiet on God. And see, the Greek phrase here for the word for loud voice is a recognizable is recognizable to us in English because it's two words that are combined together where we get the word megaphone. Is that right, Roger? Roger's the Greek scholar in here. <laughs> it's where we get the, the, the word megaphone from. So in other words, he was mega voiced in his praise to God. See, the old church would say, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. See, we need to go back to some of them old ways where we would praise God in the midst of difficulty, where we would praise God in the midst of our circumstances, where we would praise God regardless of what was going on. We just had a right now praise in our spirit. We would praise God regardless of what was happening. We were going to give God praise right now because if he never does anything else, he's already done what he said he would do and that he purchased us from the grips of hell and sin so we can praise God right now regardless of what's going on in our lives. And it says that he gave glory to God. That word means to praise or to extol or magnify or celebrate. So here is this Samaritan. As Jesus calls him the foreigner. This foreigner a spiritual outcast from the Jewish people by birth, giving praise to God. It pains me to hear folks that generally want nothing to do with God praising him for their accomplishments that they attain through debauchery. Like Cardi B. Some of y'all are going to I don't care. Cardi B irks me. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. She irks me. <laughs> listen, she irks me not because of who she is as a person. I don't listen. She is who she is. But she be bragging about how God is blessing her. Like, she be doing all that stuff. Like, God blessing me right now. Like, y'all see all the stuff I got? Like she be doing all her little stuff, and I be bag, I be bagging up. But it's it's like 
Y'all like how I did that? We're women to folks. That I said bagging. Y'all, y'all, y'all caught that? Y'all caught that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned that recently, so I'm like, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Listen. We hear her on her talk, on her Instagram stories, and she be boisterous, thanking God, like, God blessing me, all this stuff. While we sit quiet in the place where God has called us to worship, and we won't lift up our voice to the Lord and sing praises to him. In other words, we allow others outside of the kingdom of God. To give, be more thankful towards God than we are towards God. In other words, here's what I'm saying to you. Don't take your blessings for granted. See, don't take your children for granted. Because many people are struggling with depression trying to conceive a child. Don't take your spouse for granted. Because many people are crying out to God night after night for a spouse that they can argue with. Because arguing with somebody who cares about you is better than being alone or feeling alone. You can be alone and not feel alone. And don't be thankless about that job because many people are struggling with joblessness. See, don't let your thanklessness cause you to be jobless and spouseless. Keep on not thanking God for your wife. Keep it up. Keep underappreciating your husband. Keep it up. And watch this. You're going to find yourself face down on the floor crying. And not like the Samaritan is doing in this passage. You're going to find yourself face down weeping, lamenting what you lost when you aren't thankful. And see this word here. It says that he fell down at the, feet, at the feet of Jesus, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. See, I talked about this a few months ago, that thankfulness comes from the Greek word eucharisto, and that's where we get the idea of the Eucharist or communion. We celebrate that every single week here at church, and we believe that Jesus is present with us in that meal, right? That's what we believe. So thankfulness, I talked to you this months ago, is that thankfulness places us in the presence of Christ, And when we express gratitude, here's what it does. It produces generosity in our hearts. See, other translations say that the Samaritan fell on his face giving thanks to Jesus. So thankfulness should produce, watch this, generosity in your hearts. When you're thankful, the next step is that you're generous. So we say, uh, when, when Earl comes here every Sunday, he says that we want to respond by giving back to the Lord as he has graciously given to us. See, generosity is a response to the generosity of God. So when we give and we give of our finances and we bring our gift before the Lord, we're just responding with thankfulness to what God has already given to us. And when you're thankful to God for all that you have, and you realize that what you have comes from him anyway, it's easy to give back in your tithes and offerings. See... 
That's why thankfulness is not an occasional act, but a lifestyle of intentional and spontaneous appreciation that leads us into the presence of God and empowers us to be grateful in all circumstances and generates an overflow of generosity. Y'all tracking with me? At least let me say my last idea is this. And I got to close. Thankfulness leads us to restored faith. Verse 17. Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, that foreigner, he says, get up. Go on your way. Your faith has saved you. See, thankfulness will cause you to rise up. You can be in the bottom of the barrel, struggling with circumstances, struggling with difficulty. And when you're great, when you respond with thankfulness, God begins to raise you up out of that situation. The circumstance might not change. But God is raising you up in the midst of that. Tells him to go on his way. In other words, he's telling him to pursue the journey that he had entered on. And thankfulness will cause you to continue in the fight. Then he tells him this. This beautiful passage here. He says, you foreigner, your faith has saved you or has made you well. See, thankfulness will cause us to have a conviction of the truth. That's what faith is. Faith is a conviction of the truth. Thankfulness will cause you to have a conviction of the truth, knowing that it might look dark right now, but I know the God that I serve, and he will never leave me or forsake me. Thankfulness will cause you to be made whole. It says that your faith has saved you. In other words, his faith has healed him. It has preserved him. It has made him well. And thankfulness will cause you to say, it is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. It might look dark. It might look grim, but it is well with your soul when Jesus is on your side. An estimated 1.5 million people living today have survived breast cancer. And Irma Bombat, she writes in, she says, every time I forget to feel grateful to be among them, I hear the voice of an eight-year-old girl named Christina who had cancer of the nervous system and would ask what she wanted for her birthday. She thought long and hard. And finally, she said, I don't know. I have these two sticker books and this Cabbage Patch doll. I have everything that I need. Will you respond to God like that? Will you respond to God like that today? You might not have much. You might have a little. Resources might be running out. 
Relationships might be running dry. But as long as you got King Jesus, everything will be all right. A thankless Christian is a scriptural contradiction. There's no such thing as a thankless Christian. Philippians tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Will you rejoice today? Jesus wants to transfer you from from the city of darkness into the city of light. He wants to remove you from the sin, the bondage of sin that you've been struggling with. And sitting here today are a whole bunch of believers who have been snatched up by Jesus and who say, I'm going to respond by living a thankful life. And I'm going to give praise to my God and my King for all that he has done. You can join the host, the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us who have lived their life for Jesus. Is there somebody in here today that wants to place their faith and trust in Jesus? He offers us a life, a generous life. One where he says that I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm not saying that when you trust in Jesus, everything is going to be all right and everything is going to change and all that. I'm not, I'm not promising you that. But I am promising you that with Jesus, life is abundant. And that your life is better when you walk with Jesus. Is there one that would like to place their faith and trust? Every head bow, every eye closed. If there's one in here today, I want you to slip up your hand. Lift up your hand today before Jesus. He desires to be with you. He desires to walk with you. He desires for you to be in his presence. Because in his presence there's fullness of joy. In his presence there's hope. There's surety. Is there one today? Let's pray, Father, thank you that you've called us to yourself, God. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us, your people, today. Give us surety of hope and knowing, God, that you alone are the source of our provision. And God, when we respond to you, we respond in thankfulness, knowing that everything that we need is in you. And we respond by saying thank you. We respond by saying thank you. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise. And the whole church responds and says,